UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have with me a, a fascinating guest. I have with me a contactee. I have with me Costa Macrias. He's the founder of ETLetstalk.com, the ET Let's Talk community, the People's Disclosure Movement, and the People's Love Alliance, and the Global CE5 Initiative. Costa is an international networker and creative artist working on the behalf of harmonious relations between all life forms. And he's going to share his personal contact experience today and, and his organization. Uh, I want to welcome the show, Costa. Thank you for joining me. How are you? I am great. Thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here and to meet you. Um, so I guess, like, where did this all start for you? Like, as far as like from, from an ET perspective? Um, I like to say that everybody has a story and I'm, I am no different. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a long view because uh, it, it does matter and I'll, I'll try to keep it compact. Uh, although being Greek on both sides, being compact with language means you actually talk a lot. So I hope to keep your listeners uh, you know, interested here. Uh, I grew up in the American Midwest in the 60s and 70s. And in those days, personally, I was into science fiction. I had a telescope, astronomy. Uh, the space program was going on back then, the Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo programs. And uh, the whole world was uh, was captivated by that. I was no different. So my eyes were always on the stars and the cosmic. Um, and I was amazed by the, uh, the mystery and the awe uh, when I looked up at the heavens. I encountered, found my first UFO book, maybe I was 10 or 11. And it was a book written by one of the contactees of the uh, late 50s, early 60s. I don't even remember the title. But what was awesome was that it had... Uh, black and white photographs of the classic uh, uh, UFO kind of shapes, you know, a, a saucer with a dome on top and, and all the stories of the encounters. And I was immediately smitten by all of that because, again, being interested in science fiction and astronomy, um, I knew there was life out there. But now I was holding a book that uh, showed me pictures uh, that I believed, even though there were some people that were faking stuff back then. Uh, a lot of them weren't. And I was just privileged to uh, to have a book like that and and uh, see uh, pictures of what other people had taken. It just excited me. Well, flash forward though till 2006, many many years later, uh, I like to say that I had a pretty conventional life because I I went to university, got a a computer, a computer science degree, background in mathematics, uh, came out to the uh, uh, West Coast. Uh, San Francisco Bay Area, got married, had children, got remarried, and uh, worked in the Silicon Valley for, for decades. So 
that part of my life, uh, like I say, pretty conventional uh, with a scientific background, which I'm glad that I had because it's what I bring to the, uh, the UFO experiences that I've had is my ability to analyze and be skeptical uh, and, and, and get information that way that, that I can trust. So in 2006, I found a group of people in Northern California, which is the Mount Shasta area, uh, about four hours drive from my home in the San Francisco Bay Area. And these people were making, uh, were using consciousness, meditation, visualization, their imaginations to sit in groups and, and make proactive contact with, uh, with UFOs. They called this uh, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, uh, known by the acronym CE5 now. And it's actually all over the world now, and it, it's quite the thing. Uh, back then, it was very new. And I wanted to leave for a week and go join this group and learn how to, to initiate the contact, rather than um, in the cases of Close Encounters 1 through 4, people like you and me are just passive. You know, something happens to us with an encounter, and then the one through four versions describe different kinds of what happens, but the basic thing is it's passive. It happens to you. You didn't call it forth. Now, the difference with CE5 is that we humans initiate it. We make the contact. We interact in many different ways, and I can talk about those later. But during the week that I went to Mount Shasta, uh, that's what I learned and practiced with a group of uh, 40 other people. Um, several things happened during that week that changed my life completely. And that's why we're having this conversation right now. Um, I had up, up close and personal encounters that uh, could not be denied and uh, got me out of the, the, the totally left-brained uh, education and box that I was in. Not a bad box, but it really opened up uh, my eyes to the larger universe I can relate a couple of those experiences here because they they were and are profound. And they're also, I like to say, they're, they're also variations on what thousands of other people have also encountered, as I've learned in, in my AT Let's Talk community, as I've been meeting a lot of those people who've come forward with their stories uh, since uh, 2006, the last 16 years. Uh, so there's quite the variety. Uh, my story was... The uh, two dramatic encounters, there were three, but two were the most dramatic. And uh, the first one happened uh, during the week I was there with the people. We had finished our nightly activity. We had had uh, contact under the stars, watched the lights zigzagging around. They were sig signaling back to us. We were learning how to identify what's real up there and what's not, what's man-made, uh, which was important to me. Uh, being scientifically oriented, I wanted to eliminate uh, what we, what you can explain, and then what's left over is something you can't explain, and you want to figure out what that is. Well, that one night after the uh, group uh, broke apart and we'd had a good night, uh, I'd say about nine or ten of us hung around uh, talking about what we had seen uh, near midnight, and we were in a clearing surrounded by a forest which was in the foothills of, of Mount Shasta, 14,000 feet of magnificence if you've never been there. I was tugged on my sleeve and about six, seven, eight feet away from me, someone pointed near the ground and what I saw was something I couldn't believe. I had to rub my eyes and make sure that it wasn't um, the, the, the setting moon playing with the lights and the shadows of the leaves and the trees and that kind of thing. And it wasn't. What I saw was a small sphere 
maybe three feet across, slowly materializing out of thin air, a few inches above the ground, uh, floating there, um, hovering there silently uh, without any other artifacts. Like there were, I didn't feel a temperature change. There was no wind, no vibration, uh, no, no noise. What would you say? Would you say it was an orb? People have different labels, so you have to be careful with that. Uh, I call it a small starship. Uh, in my terminology, an orb is something different, and I had encounters with those too. But Wait, you know, regardless, you I, I just wanted to tell you real quick. I, I interviewed uh, um, Stan Gordon. He talks about many UFOs as well. He's a UFO researcher here from Pennsylvania. He he like researched the Kecksburg incident, and mm -hmm. not many people talk about these many UFOs. Like I find it very interesting because I, I think they're very real, and like I I think people see these uh, relatively. This is relatively common, right? I think it is. I get reports and have my own of uh, of orbs and numbers of them appearing. I have actually one picture that uh, of myself with my what might be thousands of them in my vicinity, and that's a whole other story in itself. This particular one, whatever we call it, we believe from information we got later that it was part. Uh, it may have been a sphere and three feet across, but it was part of a larger craft. But the larger craft was not totally materialized in our dimension. All we saw was this portion of it. Um, and it was opaque. We couldn't look inside. We stood around kind of whispering and pointing. One of the people in our group suddenly spoke up and said, hey, I just got a telepathic message from the beings inside this thing. And they told me that they are scientists here on earth coming to earth to study our human energy systems and i thought to myself wow that's cool uh, i guess we're somebody's phd thesis and we're the we're the lab rats i guess uh, i have a quirky sense of humor but uh no, that's, but that's okay like though right it, 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 it's it's almost what it would seem like sometimes it seems like we're in like a matrix type or, or construct I, well, I why wouldn't we be studied? I think we're a fascinating species, and I believe our visitors have been here for thousands of years. So this particular group was really upfront and said, we're here to study humans and their energy systems. Um, and that was fine with me. That's what we do as humans. Nobody, I want to say that during the next half hour while this thing floated there, nobody was harmed. Nobody, nothing weird happened. Well, something weird did happen, but it was pretty harmless. And I'll, I'll tell that story right now. As... Um, after we got that message, I noticed that the woman standing next to me, who I had just met uh, during that week and had become a friend of mine uh, and was actually a very good psychic, but she was standing straight as a board, uh, the kind of posture I wish I had, you know, and she had her arms out at uh, right angles to her with her palms facing each other, not moving for half an hour, kind of a weird posture, but I stayed close by to see if she showed any signs of distress or discomfort so that I could be there, but I didn't want to interrupt um, and talk to her or whatever, whatever was going on, because I, I thought something special is going on and um, I'll just wait it out, see what happens. Well, after half an hour of her standing there motionless without uttering a word, she kind of uh, uh, shook a little bit, came to and I studied her and asked her, you know, hey, do you know where you are? Well, what's your name? That kind of thing. And she assured me that she was she was fine, just a little disoriented. 
And I asked her, well, what happened? You've been standing there, not moving. I've never seen anybody do that. It's the kind of thing they teach Navy SEALs to do, you know, you know, hold their arms out for half an hour without falling apart or something. Uh, and that's what you did. What's up? She said that she was approached telepathically by one of the beings inside this small craft that we'd been observing. Now, this being said to her telepathically, so none of us heard this, and it was all going on while all we saw was her standing there. But the being asked her, may I merge with you and study your energy system? And to her credit, instead of running away with her hair on fire, the way a lot of us might do when suddenly someone comes into your brain and says, may I merge with you? I don't think so. But she didn't do that. Uh, in fact, to her credit, she negotiated with this being and said, yes, you can do that, but I have three conditions. And the first condition is that I stay aware of my surroundings. I don't want to be knocked out. Uh, the being agreed to that. Her second uh, request, demand, condition, was that when she told the being to unmerge, to leave, that it would do so immediately. In other words, she was superior in her space and it would leave. And the being agreed to that. The third condition and I'm not being flippant about it because she was very serious. She said she didn't want anybody messing with her genitals, with her sex organs, no probing and that kind of stuff. And the being agreed with that. So during that half hour while she was standing there, whatever experiment energetically the being was doing, it was doing until she kind of shivered a little bit, as I mentioned before. And that's the point at which she had told the being, okay, get out, I'm done. And she and I then watched, as did everybody else, this small craft. Again, it had been opaque and gray to my eyes. Couldn't see inside, but it started just slowly dissolving, like a fade out that you would do with special effects in the thin air, and it was gone. That was it. And I'll tell you, that changed my whole perspective because what I had just experienced, number one, nobody could talk me out of. It wasn't a hallucination. We were all stone sober. No drugs, no alcohol, no nothing. Adults, you know, all of sound mind and bodies. And this is what had happened. And um, all the physics that I had been taught would have told me that what I just experienced was impossible. So I had to kind of open my mind then and go, okay, maybe we don't know everything. We know a lot, but uh, if this kind of um, experience can happen to me, an ordinary person and other people around me like this, you know, anybody can do this because we were nobody special. All we did was meditate in a group, do some visualization, try to make a connection with our hearts. And this is what we got. And I thought, this is way cool. I want more of this. I want to organize people around the world to, to do this as a group. Uh, because when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, I was a social and political activist. So organizing came, came very naturally to me. Uh, and in this case, this was an opportunity to do the coolest thing I could have never imagined when I was younger, which was to, uh, to start organizing people on the internet to do group meditations, no matter where we were, virtually, uh, to contact our, our cosmic families, which is what they say they are. And so that, that changed my life, that experience. And I became a networker, and I'm still at it 16 years later. Uh, teaching people through etletstalk.com, free membership, by the way, um, how to make their own contact, um, having them take videos 
uh, take pictures, report their experiences, and we gather those online. And we've got quite the thing. We are now the uh, part of the People's Disclosure Movement, which is another story, which is the largest movement of its kind of all of us humans who are interacting and connecting uh, with the galactics now. And it's uh, it has grown since 2010 when it was first presented uh, to me by, by the star people. And uh, yes, we do communicate, as do a lot of people. I'm nobody special. Anybody listening or watching this uh, can make their own kind of contact just, just as well as I have and do the kind of exploring that I and others have done as well. So, so yeah, here we are. Uh, we're a community and we welcome people who've been experiencers, contactees, to come and tell their stories and to share their stories in a friendly atmosphere, you know, where it's safe. Because if you grew up when I did in the 60s and 70s, you couldn't open your mouth about this. And if you did, you might lose your job, you might lose your mate, your family might commit you, you know, to an institution, um, et cetera, et cetera. People held this in, by and large. And thanks to people like Gene Roddenberry and Steven Spielberg, producing the kind of content they have in the decades since I was young and opening up the possibilities of cosmic life to mass audiences, the, the UFO topic and contacting and uh, being an experiencer, um, no, it's not accepted by 100% of people, but it's far more accepted than it used to be. And you can kind of come out of the closet and come to my community and to many others that are like mine uh, to tell your story and find camaraderie so that you can share with people and uh, and be part of the people's disclosure movement i was going to ask you like how easy are people having like or finding it to, to actually make contact because i haven't had contact yet and i was wondering i was looking into ce5 and like i i didn't know how easy it was or or, or like you know like i'd just like to get the the, the, the lowdown of it absolutely uh on my website there are seven easy steps uh, at etletstalk.com. Again, membership is free. Come read the steps and try it. The way I'll describe it is uh, it's using your consciousness. It's you are a human transmitter. You, you really are the only antenna you ever need. I know that there are millions of dollars worth of antennas out there in Puerto Rico and other places pointed at the stars, sending out signals and hoping to get something back. But I'm telling you, for 25 bucks, not millions of dollars, grab your lawn chair or sit in your living room and go someplace where it's safe and comfortable, follow some of these easy steps, and sooner or later, you will get contact and in any number of different ways. And that's what's critical to realize. It's not just lights in the sky. But basically, you don't have to be a master meditator, a yogi, you know, or anything like that, a monk. If you can close your eyes, quiet your mind, either alone or with a group, a group is even better, but alone is okay. And still your thoughts and in your imagination, just send out, uh, and from your heart, send out like a beacon. Just visualize a beautiful beam of loving energy directed at up towards the sky. And goodwill and your intention, high vibration, high frequency, is what you want to, to really create. Because you're, you are now that transmitter by using your visualization and your imagination. And by the way, you also connect with a network of thousands of other people around the planet who have uh, been doing the same thing for, for many, many years. So you, you get kind of a boost effect 
from the from the group field that's out there. But but basically, it, it is simple. And again, your intention, your your heart, your love is really what matters because these civilizations detect us. Uh, everything is vibration. Tesla said that. Many others have said that. They detect us by our vibration. If you're afraid, if you're negative, if you're hostile, you're going to put out a certain vibration that even animals can figure out and they run away from you. Uh, our star friends will detect all those kind of negative things and not want to be around you. Uh, but if you come with uh, that goodwill and in a sincere way and approach them, they'll meet you halfway. And the thing I want to emphasize is it's not just lights in the sky, which you can learn to recognize what is anomalous up there, which what is really a ship versus terrestrial man-made objects. But it's not just that, because the contact you make with them can come in a lot of different ways, and you have to be ready to expect those. It can be a telepathic message. Uh, later on, you might have a really lucid dream where they appear. Uh, you may actually get a touch on the shoulder or on the knee, you know, when you're alone or when nobody's really near you. You may have um, a smartphone that's been powered off, suddenly turn itself on, playing some cosmic song that's from your hit list, your playlist, that you haven't touched in, in years, but there it is playing, or weird electrical phenomenon around you. Uh, the benevolent civilizations that we've contacted are not there to scare you. They, they probably know you better than you know yourself and what you can handle, so that if what it takes is a gentle song or uh, just a, a light tap or a gentle message or something, be on the lookout for contact in, in that kind of a mode. That's so interesting. And I was going to say, do you think the ETs want the, like, do you think they, they overall, they want to see humans um, evolve to a point where we openly not only just discuss, but uh, participate in uh, trying to, to contact them? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They, they've told us in many ways, and there are numerous civilizations here, and they've told us in many ways that, that they love us. And I know that sounds like a cliche and it sounds really hokey, but out of compassion, they've come here because we know we are at a critical stage in our planetary evolution here. We're either going to break down globally or we're going to break through. I personally believe we're going to break through. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, teaching people how to contact them. They want contact. They told me in 2010 via telepathic messages that I got, 2010, they clearly said that we should not look upon them as gods, but to consider them family, uh, as elder brothers, sisters, and cousins, and that they're here to mentor us. Um, in the same way that if, say, you discovered someone in, you say you're in the U.S. and you found a long-lost cousin through 23andMe or some kind of program who lives, say, in Europe, who sounds like they're really cool, you would reach out to them and you might find that they're older, wiser, maybe uh, in a better position than you are in the moment. You might ask some advice or some guidance. That's kind of the way that they're offering us as, as older family that they've been down a few roads that we've been down. They didn't destroy themselves, but instead they went to the stars and they found civilizations like ours, which are ready for a breakthrough and they want to help. So yes, in 2010, they said very clearly uh, to me, would you please create as many ET contact teams as possible in as many places as possible, as quickly as possible? 
And I said, whoa, well, yeah, I can do that. I like to organize, I like to communicate. Um, I'll do those things, but why? And they said, the more that humans through their free will want to contact us, the more we will have permission to show up in more cities. And they literally said in more cities around the world, whereupon more humans will see us when we do that and will want even more contact. Then that gives us permission to show up in even more cities where even more humans will see us. This is an organic growth. They called this uh, a virtuous circle. And they said this, this is the people's disclosure movement where we the people are taking back our power from the authorities who've been covering up the presence for more than 70 years and telling us we're, you know, we're crazy or, or mistaken or whatever. We take back our power and make our own contact. And in the people's disclosure movement, we find thousands, millions, there's more than a million people around the planet in this movement. And those are the only the ones that I could, I could count. And I, I know it's a low ball there. So yes, they want contact. And they said that someday enough people around the world uh, who've been making contact with them would have believed in their presence that from that point on, a tipping point would be reached. And after that tipping point, no authority of any kind, governmental, religious, civic, whatever, could ever again cover up their presence. I mean, the genie would be out of that bottle and that would be the people's disclosure. Uh, they said that in 2019, recently, 2019, three years ago, we did reach that tipping point. All the work we've been doing uh, as uh, networks within networks since 2010, when we started the People's Disclosure Movement, all that work we've been doing every month, every day, thousands of people making contact has paid off. The tipping point was reached in 2019 and it continues to grow. And so, like I say, that genie's out of the bottle. There is no one that can hide this presence anymore. You know, uh, not at all. Too many people have seen, too many people have experienced, too many people believe and have made their own contact. And that was the whole idea. Roll your own, make your own contact, become a, instead of being a believer in this, to become a knower. And yeah. that's something nobody can take away from you. I wanted to ask you, like, what, 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 what kind of races are people in touch with? Is it what we would think, like Pleiadians or like, as far as like what, what you hear, like, or is there, they do they did not even go by a name or like, what, what's the... Oh, no, some, some of them do. There's some who will not give a label, uh, but, but only put forth information for us to judge. But there's others. Uh, yeah, we've had those identifying themselves as Pleiadians from, from, the, from the, the Sirius star system. Uh, from Arcturus, for example, um, and, and others, uh, Antares and, and, and others. Uh, there are different kinds of civilizations. There, there may have been some negative ones along the way, but I do not believe that they are a powerful force right now uh, because the presence of many, many other really positive civilizations on Earth, near Earth at this time, is overwhelming. And we're riding with that. We're not paying attention to conspiracies and victimhood and what's been done and all the control programs to us. I mean, that's not to say that stuff hasn't happened, but the, what my star friends say to concentrate on is to visualize the future we want. We can have a golden age on earth. They're here to help us do that. They know how, but we've got to do that work. We got to get along with each other. We humans have to fix the problems we created, but we have help 
from the cosmic galactics for the problems then maybe that we can't handle that are too big for us if we will ask for it. So this is a real partnership. It's a co-creation. And they stress that we should be putting our energy and our focus into creating the world that we want instead of worrying about and being in fear of all the conspiracies that are out there that are holding us back. Because uh, you have a choice. There's only so many hours in the day. You have only so much energy. Where are you going to put it? If you don't like what you've been seeing around you, create something better. And that's what they're emphasizing. Uh, use your emotion, use your visualization, your imagination. They have technologies they've promised will be with us on full open contact. And they are planning for full open contact with us on the ground, on mass. I don't know when. That's above my pay grade. But I do know that as we continue to open up and connect with them, to go back to your previous question, uh, Rob, you know, which is, do they want us to contact? And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Because again, the more we do that, the sooner we will bring about the day when they can become among us and share some of their technologies. Uh, yeah, we know free energy devices are locked away here on earth, but at that point, free energy will be available to us. And won't that alter the economic, political, military situation on this planet? The, you know, the availability of, a, of limitless, uh, pollutionless, abundant free energy, not to mention technologies that will heal the worst diseases that we have. Um, you know, and, and, and there have been healings that actually have happened on one-off basis, bases, but they have a lot to share and they will share it if we do the work to, to do our part. You know, again, they, they, they don't want to do the work for us because then we don't grow spiritually. We don't evolve if, you know, mommy and daddy and uncle come in and fix everything for us. Uh, we don't grow. But I just had Dan Willis on my show. He uh, he does shows with like Elena Danan. And I know Elena has talked about how the negative ETs have been like, like kind of purged from our solar system. And that, um, you know, these these positive ones want us to kind of fight for our freedom here on Earth, like supposedly so we have we build a better world right um is it is it is it are you getting the same message kind of well yeah that's what i was just talking about which is take your future into your own hands the best way to predict the future is to create it human beings we're multi-dimensional we're more powerful as in any individual being but especially in our composite in our um uh what's the word um as a species, more powerful than we can imagine. And if enough of us work together, cooperating to, to build that new world, we will get it. It's it's universal law, you know, energy follows thought. So yeah, you can go down a rabbit hole, uh, negative aliens and this and that, and spend your time on that. You're only empowering, if they're here, you're only empowering them by throwing out your fear and all that. So I like what you were just saying that your other guest did say, which is to, to, to build what you want. We're, we're builders, we're creators. And now is the time, you know? I mean, if, if, if ever there was a time, you know, our civilization globally now is within half an hour of total destruction. That's how long it takes an intercontinental ballistic missile to reach from here to there and, and to start a chain reaction. And by the way, one thing that my star friends have said is that even though the prime directive has been removed and they're, they're allowed to 
work with us closer than they have or have been before, even before that prime directive. And if you're a Star Trek fan, you know what that is. Even before that was removed, according to my star friends, that was in 2019. But even before that was removed, they were allowed to prevent nuclear war. And there are many instances they've told us where some fool probably tried to start something or some mistake happened and they did intervene. And moving forward now, even though things look dangerous for it, if you read the news today, they will not allow that. They just will not. They have told us, we know how to stop it and we will. So well, that's, that's really a reassuring, honestly. I, that, I mean, that probably makes people think um, you know, a lot better about our current situation, right? Well, I sleep better at night. I mean, I'm still worried about what's going on in the world, but I'm doing something to make it better every day. But as far as that nuclear war thing, I don't let that bother me. Uh, there's instances um, of them showing up at military bases where there were nukes. There's press conferences. Maelstrom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. And they shut, they shut down missile after missile or silo after silo after silo. I'm told they also did this in Russia. Yeah. They, uh, they, um, there was a point where there was some warheads melted, you know, at Maelstrom. And there was another point in Russia where they actually turned on the ICBMs. Like they did it to like, I think kind of scare them. Like they turned them on, but then it gets shut off. Like, you know, it wasn't like they, uh, they turned them on to fire them or something like right. that. And, no, and to your point, th thank you for uh, validating that with more information because, yeah, they've got that technology. And so uh, what I want to let your listeners and, and viewers, um, I'm not sure, is this video or is this all just uh, audio? It's video. I'm on video. Can you see me? Oh, yeah. It's, it's oh, yeah. Video. I can see you. Yeah, I put it on YouTube. I'll, I'll, you know, yeah, it'll be on video. Yeah. Okay. I'll keep smiling then. That's good. <laughs> um, um, yeah, that's something I want to let your viewers and listeners not worry about anymore. Put your energy into positive places, small acts of kindness. I also founded something called the People's Love Alliance, which is we humans behaving well to build the stable kind of earth that's within our grasp to do. And there are hundreds of millions of us who don't know that we each other exists because all we see on the news is all the bad stuff. And yes, there's a lot of bad stuff happening. You don't stick your head in the sand and say, no, no, not happening, not happening. It is. But we have the choice to change that. And as we discover places to go for good news of humans behaving well in large numbers, then you really get the point that, oh my God, there's many more of us, hundreds of millions more than we ever thought who really do want a better world and who are doing small acts of kindness and compassion that really add up. I try to give people evidence in my talks of places they can go on the web. You're not gonna see it on mainstream media. Uh, places like um, avaz.org, A-V-A-A-Z.org. 70 million people there from every country on earth who give their money. It's not sponsored by corporations or paid advertisements or anything. It's people like you and me in every country of the world, 70 million of us, who care about doing campaigns to save rainforests, to build, uh, uh, to help villages have, have water. Uh, any kind of campaign you can think of, people reach across national boundaries uh, in the avaz.org organization to help each other. And this is the power, but you would never know about it if you just turn on the TV. 
Uh, someday, I hope that changes, and some newscaster will say, hey, everyone, Avaz.org is doing this. Go here and sign up. They're just only one movement of 70 million people. There are other places where there are hundreds of millions of people doing similar things. They're using, they're operating out of values that are life-affirming, sustainability, ecology, uh, right human relations, getting along with people, tolerance, uh, compassion, uh, using the heart to solve problems instead of always shooting at people and, and, and on and on and on. So take heart, folks. Uh, that's another message I want to give is there's more of us than we know. And you just have to go and feed yourself. I have a Facebook group called Good News Every Day. Uh, and there are other groups like it. I'm not the only one. But our members just publish posts of good news. And, you know, you might think, oh, that's nice. How kind. They're there. But the truth is, try starting your morning off, whatever your morning beverage is, by going to a site or to a group like Good News Every Day. And there's, like I said, there's other sites. And just reading a few posts about amazing inventions people are making to, to uh, medically help each other or to take water out of the air, to bring water to places that really need it, and on and on and on. Good news. And feed that to yourself in the morning instead of turning on the news and re hearing about the latest war. I, and, I would totally agree. I think that's that's really, I mean, like if you, because our thoughts create our reality, right? So, yeah. Um, if you if you create your positive timeline, you will then live in it. You you yeah. you you have to you have to try to create your own reality, and that's why I think like that's why I said if enough of us don't buy into the, this 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 war, you know, this worldview warfare or whatever they want to do, like you know, I think we can beat it. You know, and I think the way that the way that the way that one of the ways to fight back is to not even pay attention to it. You know, I mean, I know you have to stay informed and we all have to stay informed. But I mean, the way I look at it is if a, if a nuclear bomb is going to hit, there's nothing I can do. They're, they're, right. You know, so it's it's going to come. It's going to come. But I think most likely it's not going to come. You know, most most likely, you know, I would say, I mean, I, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be horribly wrong. So I, I'll, you know, knock on wood, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? Like, absolutely. No, you're saying in your own way, in the sense is what I'm saying too, which is we choose to focus, what, what you focus on expands. And like you say, thoughts create your reality. And that's the power we have as, as really as creators, we're cosmic creators as we get to choose what we think and what we feel and what we do um, unless we're incarcerated or, or gagged and bound somewhere, I guess, then your, your choice is really limited. But again, for most of us like you, Rob and others, the thing is make the choice to do life affirming things and find other people like you because that nourishes you. You know, you got homies, you know, you're not alone anymore. You're not feeling isolated. You're not dispirited and dejected and depressed, depressed. Believe me, I've been all those things. And like most people, I have to pull myself out of it and go, okay, um, I'm done being depressed now. Time to get to work. What can I do that that's going to make a difference somewhere, even a tiny one? Let me do something positive. And I get on that track and try to stay on that track. That's that's I think that's really well said. I want to ask you back on the, e, the the CE5 stuff. Um, like people would probably have the most basic questions, like, um, how can someone find an ET contact group to join? When they come to uh, uh, etletstalk.com, you and you sign up there. Um, I send people links of where they can find people around them, and and thank you for asking that because 
people ask that over and over. We're human beings, right? We're social creatures. So as soon as you come out of your closet and go, okay, I'm all about ET. I'm going forward now. Uh, have I got any friends near me? I'd like to, to have some company. Totally natural. So we have websites to go to where you can look, literally look at a map, look at your location and see where other people have listed themselves and just click on a little icon and find a contact. Um, and a lot of people have done that and groups have formed all over the world. Uh, our movement is not, is not quite big enough that in every village and town of every country, you can just look down the block and find somebody. I hope that that's true someday, but we got to make a start and the maps that we have available to people uh, will help. I'll give out one URL right now. It's called ce5groupfinder.com. And that's all one word. CE, the, the, the number five, groupfinder.com. My, my friend, uh, shout out to Hunter Bobek, has uh, built that website and has put created a map there um, all over the world of, of groups that have listed themselves. So that's a, a good place to start. That would be, that, that sounds awesome. And then um, I'm trying to think of any other questions I have for you. Um, how do we learn to make ET contact? Like what, what, how, is there a certain way to meditate or like, what would you say, is it better to do in groups or like, what's the, you know what I mean? I always find any, with a, if you have a compatible group, anything is better in a group because we all enrich it. Right. But having said that for people who can't find a group, uh, don't despair, uh, do it alone. Uh, and, and you will have contact. I mentioned before that there were seven steps of a protocol that I published. It's on etletstalk.com. And if you follow those seven steps, then you're doing it. You're making contact. There are people who will take those seven steps and customize it for themselves. That happens all the time. Uh, some people get into a high vibrational state, a high frequency of love. They, they Maybe they like some soft music. Maybe they like chanting. Maybe they like drumming um, and, and other things. I have nothing against any of that. It's not an end in itself, but whatever gets you into a calm and peaceful, loving, high vibrational mood as you're sitting there is good. As you close your eyes and you meditate and you go those, follow those seven steps that I mentioned that are on the website, then um, if you've used some of those things to assist you, then that's good. And then what's uh, one more time, like what, what, what type of contact should we be looking for? Here's an example. Should I consider a paranormal experience, a possible contact? If you could look at it that way, like, you know what I mean? Cause you have weird paranormal experiences that could be signs of contact as well. Yeah. Oh, we, we've had that too. And who's to say what the source of that, I mean, the universe is one chain of being from dimension to dimension, from planet to planet. Sometimes I'm not sure that what's coming through is from what we call another planet in our physical space or from another dimension. I mean, still ET from another planet, but reaching out through the dimensions. Life is everywhere. I find just joy in the contact. And if I am able to establish some communication, then I can ask or someone can ask, okay, who are you? Do you have a name? Uh, where are you from? If, 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 being from a place has a meaning, you know, you could start a, a, uh, a conversation. Uh, 
And that's the whole idea. It's not just to go, ooh and ah, look at the lights in the sky or look at this cool thing that happened to me in my living room because I made contact. That's a starter. And that's that opens up our minds and lets us know this is possible. But where you take it from there is relationship. Our star friends have said they are family. So when you want to get to know your family a little bit, ask them questions, ask for advice. And maybe your family is just from the dimensions around Earth. So paranormal stuff can and does happen. But that's the fun of this. You can you can experiment. Like I say, you can ask the questions or, or make further contact and try to figure out, you know, what's the source of this? Is it what we call ET, extraterrestrial, beyond the Earth? Or is it around the Earth from other dimensions? Um, all of that is, le is legitimate because... As you know, we're multi we're multidimensional beings. We're not just limited to this earth. There are infinite number of of dimensions that we can reach out to uh, in in the vibrational space as well as in the physical kind of space in three d that we're used to. It's all vibration. It's all here. It's all now. It's all in the quantum reality. Everything is here right now, and that's why we can make contact. It's all happening at once in in that quantum field, the entanglement. And if we accept that our consciousness is really one mind, then anything can be reached anywhere at any time. So yeah. this is the fun of it. And I think this is what our future is from being from going to being told that we're limited beings, that, that some some God out there is consigning us to some terrible future unless we follow certain rules. And, and I'm not I not against the ultimate being kind of thing, but I'm talking about control mm -hmm. systems any kind of control system, whether it's a religious, uh, a civic one, a governmental, whatever, is always trying to confine you and tell you you're limited and you need us to, uh, to tell you what to do. Well, when we decide, no, I don't need you to tell me what to do. I have everything I need inside here. It's in the, the quantum space. I'm that multidimensional being. I can reach out to any part of time and space anywhere just with what I have, just with who I am. And that is evolutionary and it's also revolutionary at the same time when you adopt that attitude and i was going to ask you what was your most dramatic um et contact experience or if it was one you've heard about either one you've either heard from somebody that, that you just thought was like really outstanding or one of your own there's uh two that i'll bring up uh one happened to me um, indirectly during the same week that uh I first encountered all of this when I was in Mount Shasta in 2006 and was opening up to all this contact. Before going to Mount Shasta, I had turned to my wife and said, look what I discovered. These people are making contact. Uh, you want to come with me for the, the next week? And well, let's check this out together. And she said to me, no, no, go have fun. I support you. It's a big universe. I do believe that there's life out there, that it's here. Absolutely. But I have several businesses that I got to run. And I don't see what is going on out there it has to do with my daily life. So uh, I'm interested, but you go and have the experience. You know, I've got to take care of business here. I said, okay, that's fine. Because a lot of people don't get that kind of support. During that week I was up there, I would call her every morning uh, back home here in the Bay Area from, from Mount Shasta. And I would uh, describe to her what our group had learned the night before, what we had seen, what we had experienced like a fifth grader, you know, this was all new and it was exciting. And she would listen and, you know, get the information. And along about the fourth morning, just as I was getting ready to describe to her what had happened the night before, she stops me 
and says, wait a minute, I've got something, an experience to tell you. And I thought, what could be more exciting than what I saw last night? <laughs> right, a little bit of ego there. What could be more exciting? Well, oh yeah. She said that the previous night, as she had just turned off the light in our bedroom and was, uh, as she says, scooching down into bed, uh, getting comfortable. And now you have to understand, she's a professional clairvoyant, but she sees with an internal vision. And she's been at this for almost 40 years, I think. However, what I'm about, what I'm about to describe, she saw with her physical eyes. She has really, really good night vision. And the room was dark. She turned the lights on. And with her physical eyes at that moment, she looked at the foot of our bed, and there were four beings, maybe a fifth one behind, oh, wow. standing around the foot of the bed. Now, and the lower the, the bed was um, hiding the lower part of their body. So they were physical enough that a physical bed was obstructing the lower half of their bodies. But they were about three and a half-ish feet tall, large heads. I think big eyes, small mouth, and not really real definite features, but bipedal. You know, the large head, thin neck, uh, shoulders, arms, a torso. And she assumed bipedal, two legs underneath, uh, which she couldn't see because of the edge of the bed. And they're staring at her. Now, you have to understand, my wife, though she was a self-described NASA geek when she was younger, had a scrapbook as a young kid and was all about the space program, she really wasn't into astronomy as such or science fiction and fantasy the way I had been. So she didn't really have that kind of imagination the way that I did. So that's what makes this experience more meaningful because she was not looking for something fantastic or out of this world to happen. She was very focused on her business, had her, was using her Harvard MBA and all her education to do the right things here on earth to, you know, to take care of living and paying bills but not really dreaming about having ET contact or visiting other worlds, maybe the way I had been when I was young. So as she's looking at these beings, it's like WTF, what is happening here? She felt waves of love coming off of them. And she says she was startled and speechless, but not afraid because she said, who could be afraid of that much love? She could just feel it washing over, just love. And then in her mind, uh, telepathically, and in a sing-song, very gentle fashion, she heard the words, who are you? To this day, we theorize that they found me up in Mount Shasta, energetically linked to her, talking to her every day. And probably they had some time on their hands, if time is a thing deciding what's at the other end of what this guy's talking to. So they showed up in her bedroom and there she was. And that's why they're asking, who are you? Oh, that's hilarious. That's and so cool. it is. And she said her mind was still kind of blank. And then she thought I should ask them something. So she said to them again, telepathically, where are you from? To this day, she believes a better question would have been, how'd you get here? You know, yeah, yeah, really scientifically yeah, oriented. Yeah. You know, she has an engineering degree as well as her MBA. And so that part of her would have been all over like, okay, what kind of propulsion system? What kind of interdimensional? What stargates? Just spill the beans. Tell me. Didn't do that. Where are you from? And slowly um, in her mind again, in the same sing song fashion, uh, they answered her and they said, 
Arcturus. And again, not being the astronomy geek, she didn't know that was a, a star. So she says to me, as she's telling me the story at that point, she says, Costa, is Arcturus a place? And I go, oh, yeah, Astronomy 101. Um, it's a hyper red giant in the constellation uh, Butes, as I'm mispronouncing the Latin, I know, but but it's a hyper red giant. It's a really big star and it's a place. So that's where they said they're from. And she thought for a minute and suddenly said to me, you know, now it's personal. I'm coming with you next year. And to this day, I thank my little friends, the Arcturians, because they faded out after they told her where they were from. They just kind of faded away. And to this day, I, I thank them when I talk to people like I am now for showing up because they made a knower out of her instead of just a believer. And for me, that's a huge transition for anybody. A lot of us can believe, and that's good. That's the first step. But when we have that experience that nobody can take from us, then you become a knower. And that changes you in some way. You either decide to climb up because you can't talk about it, or you decide to stand on a rooftop and want to tell everybody about it, or somewhere in between all that. You got to deal with it one way or another. And her response was, you know, I want more of this. Let's do this together next year. And here we are 16 years later. Oh, that's, that's so awesome. Um, and did you say you had another story too? Yeah. Um, trying to remember which one that was. Mind. It's not, you know, I, 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 I think these are amazing by the way. And like, I'm just like, I'm so fascinated with ET contact. Like I, because I've never had it, you know what I mean? I, I, I think I, I haven't even, I saw a UFO, but I, I see, I would go on night runs a lot, like where I would go jog at night and I would hope to see something. And the one night I swear, I thought I saw something like I couldn't, it was like, it was flashing like different colors, like, you know, and I thought, well, maybe that could be a plane, but it didn't seem like a plane, you know, I, I don't know, like, it was like flashing like green and red. Is that what a plane flashes, a green and red? I think. Well, yeah, yeah, those lights, the green and the red are, are airplanes. That's what I thought. Okay, you learn so to I'm recognize not. those, and they can only go pretty much in a straight line, you know, whether they're turning or coming at you. If you see something that's flashing, say, other colors, and it changes position and zigzags uh that ain't a plane blue is probably et right i would say yeah more likely yeah because uh blue is not a color that we're used to seeing in the sky at night um and if you when you go out you should also have a satellite tracker you can go on the web and know what satellites look like there's listings of how to find them so that when you see something tracking across the sky you know, you could check your reference there and say, oh, oh, that's the sun, sir, such and such satellite at 1045 uh, in the position that the uh, computer says it should be in. So it's just a satellite. You know, I've had Daryl Sims on my show. He, he used to work for the CIA, but he's my, he, he that was when he was in the Vietnam War. Now he's been helping abductees for like the past 40 years. Like and he uh, he talks about how they back they used to classify them as fast walkers. That was the code word for UFO by the government. The government called them fast walkers. And he said, how many UFO sightings did you get? And he, the, the government got, got replied to him, not many. And he said, how many fast walkers did you get? And he said, 
we get thousands of them. So they're up there. I know they are. They, you know, there's there's thousands of them being reported every year, you know, by people that don't want any recognition, like people like probably the, the, the nice people that are in your group, you know, people that they, they don't want recognition. They just want it to be known that they saw something and they need to get it off their chest. And you know what I mean? And, and yeah. that's what, what, what gives me uh, hope in this phenomena that, 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 that but, but then there's stories like yours, like that are amazing of contact where, you know, I feel like it's undeniable, you know, like, so that, that's kind of what keeps me uh, enthralled in this, in this phenomena. The fact that it's so elusive, you know, it's, it's so, uh, it's so, uh, it's so mysterious, you know, it's so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? And, and still somewhat taboo at the same time, you know, but it's, it's still, but it's becoming more and more every day of a normal thing, right? Well, you, you know where the hope is really? It's the younger generation. And I mean like Gen Z and whatever they call the generation after that. I don't even know if they have a label yet, but those kids who are 10 and 11, 15, 18, um, are coming of age, you know, behind the rest of us at a time when things are more opened up than they were when I was that age, when you could not at all talk about this for fear of reprisal. So there's a hope there because they're already open-minded. They grew up with Star Wars and Star Trek and all the spin-offs and Spielberg and all that, uh, which has affected the, uh, the general mass mind, right? And someday those in my age group, I'm 69, will be gone. And the skeptics among us, so the ones of the deniers, won't be in bodies anymore. The world will be left to these younger generations and their open minds to explore. And that's why I'm hoping and glad to see podcasts like yours reaching younger and younger audiences because they're low-hanging fruit. You don't have to sit there and debate all day with them and show them videos and try to prove it. I'm, I'm long past that. I'm too busy talking to people who are already open-minded, on the fence maybe, but are, but are sitting there going, tell me more, and are willing to listen, and are willing to try their own contact. And that's what's really cool now, is people don't have to believe me or you or anybody else. There are steps to make your own contact. And if it doesn't happen for you, or if something I say doesn't sit well or sound right to you, then walk away from it. Because you know, you're the authority. You have the freedom to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this what I'm part of is not a cult. Uh, there are UFO cults out there, uh, some very famous ones. I won't mention names, but our movement, the People's Disclosure Movement, has the word people in it. It's the people. It's not Costa's Disclosure Movement or Rob's Disclosure Movement. It's the People's Disclosure Movement. The center of this movement is everywhere. If you've had an experience, Rob, or someone you know, and they want to do more of it and gather a few friends, that's great. You've just grown the movement. If you want to reach out to the next ring, you know, people who know people who know people, you create a network that's inside of other networks, which are inside of other networks. It's like the internet. You can't knock out one little place, one central guru. You can't knock them out and have the whole movement collapse. And I grew up with that happening in the movements I was uh, belonging to. Because like the internet, if you remove one person or one node or one group, the, the whole network reroutes itself. It centers everywhere and it stays alive. It stays vibrant, even if you've removed one or two nodes. And that's the power of it. I like that. And I, I, my last question for you is, 
um I, it's okay to speculate i mean like but, but i just want to get your opinion on this like do you think that we will ever have open contact in our lifetimes and i'm 42 so i mean like I'm, I'm wondering like if one day maybe they'll just land and and they'll just introduce themselves like do you think that there what there as there's ever a chance of that happening absolutely um I'll share this. My star friends have told me that I will walk openly with them on earth before I leave this body. Now, how long will I live? I don't know. I'll make it to 80. I'll make it to 90, to 110, 150. You know, we're improving lifespans all the time. You look pretty young, man. You don't look 69 years old. I'll tell you that. Like you, 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 you look young. Like you don't look 69 years. I wouldn't have guessed that you were that. I thought you were in your fifties. That's great. I'll take it any day. <laughs> I'm not, it's just a number, but you know, it does matter. You, you want to be healthy no matter what the label is. And uh, yeah. And thank you for that. Uh, like most people try to take care of myself, right. Um, inwardly and, and outwardly with diet and healthy living and exercise, etc. But I'm holding on to that promise that before I leave this body, I'll walk <laughs> openly with them. And my guess is that it won't, and I, it will be open around other people too. It won't be like just a one-on-one -on -one encounter in the woods that's just meant for me and my wife and a couple of friends or something. I mean, maybe it would be that, but I'm telling you, this movement that we're a part of is um, creating the conditions where they can come en masse, which I know many of us have had that dream where we have seen the sky filled with all kinds of craft. I've heard variations of that. So there's something that's already out there about that event that will happen. And it's just that time is a slippery thing. But here's the thing. We have that under our power. I was saying this before. Here in the People's Disclosure Movement, as we continue making our own contact, forming relationships with them, asking them to show up more and more and to come down, we're adding energy, creating the thoughts that will bring that day closer. So again, we're not passive and just, I hope, I hope it'll happen. I know, sit down, do something about it. Make your contact, put your request out there. Uh, imagine it, feel it, and you are helping it happen. So that's what I want to leave people with is, uh, again, the best way to create the future is to, to, to predict it, is to create it. And you all are creators and you will get that contact that you want. I know I'm looking forward to mine and I, I hope I see a lot of you out there too. You know, it's a massive event. Yeah, that's amazing. This is amazing stuff. I did, I thought this went went really well. Um, can you tell everybody um, your the, the the your websites and how to contact you if you want to be contacted and all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. The easiest place to come to is etletstalk.com. That's e t l e t s t a l k dot com. Again, the membership's free. You will get. Um, Announcements every month of our worldwide group activities. We, uh, since 2010, now we're in our 13th year, we've been joining as a virtual group in our imaginations on the Saturday nearest the new moon so that we have a dark sky. We've been joining month after month with each other and building this group field over the years. And my star friends tell me that it was our activity, our group activity of building this field month after month and day after day and week after week, because you can make contact anytime you feel like it. But our activity created the conditions that resulted 
in our people's disclosure, the tipping point happening in 2019. And they have said that our movement now is like a snowball rolling downhill. It cannot be stopped. So I want to leave everybody with that. Imagine being part of the most incredible movement in human history, bar none, as we reach out to the cosmos and become cosmic humanity. Uh, the price of entry is low. All it takes is your heart, your mind, your goodwill, your love, and you're part of this movement and you've got a lot of company. And uh, I think that's a real special place to be. And we need every one of you out there. ETLetstalk.com, come join us. Thank you. That was well said. And thank you for doing this. And uh, I, I enjoyed this. And, and, uh, and with, let's do it again sometime. And anytime I'm at your bequest here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this, Rob. Okay. I'll send you a link when I post it. Okay. It's Thank a deal. You. All right. Nice meeting you.